here we are. We're getting ready to jump into Ephesians chapter 2. You guys ready to get into chapter 2 tonight? Has anybody read chapter 2? Wave at me if you read. All right, we got some, we got some extra, extra holy people here tonight. That's awesome. Um, if you didn't know, if you're like, what are you talking about? Uh, last week, I did a message on uh, Ephesians chapter 1. And what we're going to do for the next few uh, Wednesday nights is we're going to go through the book of Ephesians. We're going to go chapter by chapter. There's six chapters, so uh, we're going to make our way through it. And it, it's, man, Ephesians is a powerful book, and there's a lot Man, even today, as I was just preparing for everything and, and throughout this last week, I was like overwhelmed by chapter number two because it's so big. So we're going to get in it tonight. But um, I want to give you the idea for this message, but I want to recap a little bit about Ephesians chapter one. So last week, the idea for the message was, I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Y'all remember that? I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. What we learned from Ephesians chapter 1 was that Paul was, was really opening up this idea to the church at Ephesus that they had everything that they needed, that they were accepted, they were loved, they were chosen, they, they had an inheritance coming their way, right? Paul was exposing all of these wonderful truths about our faith and our relationship with the Lord to this church and reminding them, saying this, listen, if you have Jesus, you have everything you need. And how many know that right now, as you sit here, it doesn't matter what difficulty you go through, what hardship you're facing, as you sit here tonight, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. There's nothing that you don't possess. And so that was chapter one. Chapter two, here's the idea for tonight. By grace, through faith, I have been brought close to God. Can we say that together? Let's read it together. You ready? By grace, through faith, I have been brought close to God. Now let's say it one more time and like really say it like we mean it. Like we actually believe this sentence. You ready? By grace, through faith, I have been brought close to God. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for our time together. We thank you for your presence that has filled this room, Jesus. We just honor you and bless your name tonight. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would bring in the spirit of wisdom and revelation according to your word in Ephesians 1.17, that you would speak to us, that we would leave here knowing more about you, Jesus, that we would leave differently and changed than the way we walked into this place tonight. We honor you, we bless you, and glorify your name. In your name I pray. Everyone said... Amen. Will anybody bring their paper Bible? Wave at me if you got your Bible with you, or your cell phone Bible will work as well. Just wave your Bible at me. There you go. You got your electronic Bibles. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to start right from the top. There's about 22 verses in chapter 2, so we're going to get through this tonight. Um, but Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, and we're going to read the, the first uh, 1 through 3, the, the little chunk there. But um, this is how Paul opens up chapter 2, right? He says this, and you he made alive. By Paul saying that Jesus made us alive, it implies that we were dead. <laughs> and he even goes on to say that. He says, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Come on, does anybody remember their trespasses and sins days? You don't have to wave at me because I know y'all have them. You know, Elder Alice tries to tell me about, her, where are you? You're here, right? Where are you at, Elder Alice? You're somewhere. You try to tell me sometimes about your trespasses and sin days, and I don't believe you had trespasses and sin days. You're just so kind. You're so loving. Like, I could never imagine a trespasses and sins era in Elder Alice's life, right? 
Some of you I can't imagine, but just not her. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. But he, Paul says, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Man, Paul's just really exposing some of us tonight, right? He's like, listen, some of y'all just were crazy, crazy, right? You, you, were, you were gone. It says this in verse 3, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. What Paul basically finishes this idea by saying this, even if you weren't bad, like if, even if you don't have a crazy past, guess what? By your very nature, you are flawed. By your very nature, you are are sinful. He even says this in the book of Romans that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In verse 4, probably the two best words you could ever hear in the Bible, but God. Come on. Oof. Gives you goosebumps right there just saying it, right? Because, because we all know the reality of where we were. We know how messed up we were. We know how broken we were. We know how hopeless we were. Man, it's probably better than anybody else in this room that you know how lost you were, but God. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, again, this idea of being dead, we were made, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. I want you to put that phrase in the back of your mind. By grace, you have been saved. Paul puts that in parentheses because he's like, I gotta, I gotta get back to this. It says this in verse six, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now let me make something very plain for you tonight, that outside of Christ, there is no kindness. Outside of Christ, there is no mercy. Outside of Christ, there's no redemption. Outside of Christ, what you and I can expect to receive from God is his wrath. <laughs> when we are outside of Christ, we are doomed. <laughs> but when we are in Christ, wait, go back to that, go back to that other one. When we are in Christ Jesus, we get to receive his kindness, receive his mercy, receive his grace. And this is what I want us to understand. This is really the theme that we're going to see here in Ephesians chapter 2, is that a believer's life outside of Christ is not a good thing. It's that if you conduct your life and you try to live your life in your own strength, outside of the redemption, outside of the sacrifice that Jesus paid on that cross, you will fail. It's not a good place to be. How many know that we have been seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus? And that in the age to come, that we get to receive the exceeding riches of God's grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Why? Because when God looks at us, he sees the blood of his son. He sees the sacrifice of Jesus, and that makes us righteous before him. We go on to read in, in, in uh, verse 8. 
For by grace, remember that phrase we have in the back of our mind. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. So how have you received salvation? It is you've received your salvation by grace, which that, that basically means this. Grace means this, unmerited favor. So by the unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor of God, which means this, to even dumb it down a little bit more, it doesn't, no one can explain why God likes you. <laughs> That's what it means. There's no rhyme or reason to why God likes you. It's unmerited, unearned, undescribable favor that the God of heaven and earth would look down on us who are just dust of the earth and he would look favorably toward us. There's no explanation for it other than he loves us. And it's by that grace coupled with our faith in Jesus Christ that we have been saved. Paul says, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Verse 9, not of works, lest anyone should boast. There's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that you can say. There's no prayer you can read. There's no worship song you can sing that would allow you to earn or merit your salvation. It is by this unexplainable favor of the Lord and our faith in him that we receive salvation. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. And then what we see here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, is probably the most famous verse in uh, Ephesians, at least Ephesians chapter 2 at least. Um, and, and a lot of times you'll see this verse tattooed on somebody. You'll see this verse posted on social media. You'll see this verse kind of standing alone and just, you know, people quoting it or whatever the case is. And that's a good thing, you know. I, I think that we should definitely, you know, get the word of God out there. But here's one of the issues that when you allow one scripture verse to stand alone out of context, you really miss a little bit about what this verse means. Because outside of context, Ephesians 2.10 almost seems as if Paul is saying that your good works have something to do with your salvation. It almost seems that, that good works are in the picture. And, and to be honest with you, a lot of us, if, if, you, if you've studied Paul and you know kind of his themes, his messages, you'll understand that Paul was kind of this anti-work preacher. He preached this anti-works, like it's not by, like we just read, it's not by works lest anyone should boast. But this is, a, this is a verse that oftentimes has been brought up to me as a way to say, no, Paul was pro-works. He wanted you to work and, and, and work for salvation. I'm like, listen, no, no, no. When you take this out of context, you miss the meaning of it. And here's what I want us to understand tonight, that Paul is not anti-works and he's not pro-works. What we have to understand about our salvation and where works falls in, into play is that it's not a, a yes or no question. It's a both and scenario. You are not saved by your works, but when you do get saved through your faith, your love for Jesus produces works. James says this, how can you say you have faith if you don't have works? Because faith is belief in action. And so if there's no action, you can't, you can't have faith. And so you're not sanctified, you're not saved, you're not redeemed by these good works, but Paul paints a beautiful picture here and shows us exactly how the sequence of events happens. Let's read it in, in Ephesians 2.10. He says this, for we are his workmanship. Everyone say workmanship. workmanship. That word there is poema. We're going to get back to it in a second. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. 
that you and I were created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, when we look at that word workmanship, what we see in the Greek is this word poema. And it's, it basically means this, you are created. It's a way of creating something, right? It's like a craftsman making something. Um, you know, this is where we get our English word poem from. And so although it means that God made us, he created us, it has a little bit more of an artistic viewpoint to it. It's not just like, you know, oh, I'm making a chair. Let me throw together a chair. It's not like that. It's more of an artist taking pride in his or her work. It's like, I'm not just throwing this together. I'm making this. There's, there's passion involved. There's, there's time involved. There's, there's attention involved. It's not like you're putting together an Ikea desk. It's like you're writing art. You're making art. This is the implication that God, Paul is saying that God had when he created you, that you weren't just tossed together or thrown together, you were intricately woven inside of your mother's womb, that he paid such close attention to you, you were his, his special project, right? He didn't just toss you together one day, but he took care over you. You are his poem, if you will, right? And that's what Paul's saying, so we are his workmanship created in Christ. There's that phrase again, in Christ. And here's the reality. We were not, we don't, our good works don't gain us access to be created in Christ. Here's where the disconnect happens because your good works don't, don't give you access to new creation. Paul says this in another area that says this, if you're in Christ, you are a new creature, right? How do you get in Christ? Well, it's by grace through faith. By grace, through faith, you enter into Christ. And the moment you enter into Christ, you are made new. You are a new creation right there in that moment. We say it this way, that you are born again. We're born again. And it is in that moment of being born again that you are created in Christ. And now, being born again, we're thrust out for the purposes of good works in Christ Jesus. Now, that those good works get you in? No. But man, once you've been made new, you can't help but be made new. Your life looks different. Your actions look different. But here's, I love this next phrase that Paul, Paul puts in this, in this verse. Nope, nope, go back. I love this next phrase at the end of this verse in, in, in verse 10 because it almost as if Paul removes even the idea that we have anything to contribute to God. Because this is what it says. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. So often, me, Dominic, I feel like I'm doing a good job. I feel like I'm doing something, right? Have you ever just been in a season of your life where you're just hitting on all cylinders, right? You're reading your Bible, you're praying, you're witnessing to people, you're, you know, giving money to the homeless person, you're doing this, you're doing that. You're just like, man, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a baller Christian right now. I'm checking all the boxes. Every once in a while, you think you're somebody, you think you're doing something, but don't get it twisted. These good works that you are called to walk in, they have been created and predestined long before you even existed, that beforehand, God already chose these good works with which you should walk in. God prepared them beforehand that we should walk in them. Here's our job. You ready for it? Our job is to walk in that which God has prepared for us. As a Christian, that is what you and I are to do, that we are to walk in that which God 
has prepared for us. And this is very important to understand this as a Christian because a lot of times I believe what happens in my life is I try to do good works out of my own will and then I don't have enough time, energy, or money to do what God called me to do. Because here's the problem. I think that I'm a Christian. You know what? I got to do these things to impress God. I got to do these things to like just do my Christian duty and I got to just, just do it, right? But the issue is not everything that I choose to do is in the will of God. And so what happens is I'm doing my good works that I think I need to do to impress God and then God asked me to do his good works that he's predestined before me, that he's already chosen for me to do. He says, hey, Dominic, can you do that? And I say, God, I'm sorry, I can't because I can't do both. And we say, sorry, God, I, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough energy to do what you want me to do. I'm over here trying to do my own good works. And God's saying, listen, I didn't ask you to walk around and just do good works. I'm asking you to be obedient to the things that I've called you to do When Jesus teaches us how to pray, what does he say? He says, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. My will be done? My kingdom come? No, he says, when you go to the Father, you say this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does that mean? That means you and I, before we try to do anything to earn, to walk in, to do any kind of good works, we need to go to the Father and say, God, what do you have for me today? What, what are the good works, God, that you've written out for me today? Am I to do this thing? Am I to go to this place? Because we have to understand that our only job here on this earth is obedience. Our only job is to follow in that which the Lord has prepared for us beforehand. That's what God has called us to do, and that's what we have to be as Christians is obedient. And in verse 11, Paul kind of rounds out this idea. I love it so much. And in, in, in verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 2, he says this, therefore remember, therefore remember. Remember what, what Paul says. He says, listen, it's not you've been saved by grace through faith, and it's not of your works, but you've been made new in Christ. And then he says this, you've been, then he says, that you, we, have, we have been created in Christ for good works. And then he says this, Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. What is Paul saying? He's saying, don't forget where you came from. Because what, I, what happens often is Christians start moving in the spirit of the Lord. They start, you know, doing their thing. They start being obedient and they see some really cool things manifest in their life and they start getting a bigger and bigger head about themselves. And Paul's saying this, therefore, remember, once you start doing those good works that you were created to do, don't forget where you came from. He says, don't forget, therefore, remember that you were separated, you were far from God. In verse 13, he says this, but now... In Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near by your good works. Oh, wait, no, no, that's, that's not what it says. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, have, far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So Paul's saying this, while you're busy doing those good deeds that God has created for you, don't forget how far you were. 
Don't forget how outcasted you were. Don't forget how broken you were. Don't forget how far off you were from God and you've been brought close to him, not by the things that you do or the contributions that you make, but you've been brought close by the blood of Jesus. I love how Paul rounds this idea out because so often in, in my Christianity, I, we know things in our head, but our hearts tell a different story. Because do you guys remember when you first came to Jesus, right? You first gave your heart to Jesus and you're just like, you're just in love, right? Man, Jesus, you're so awesome. I love you so much. And we live very well in his love. And then once you get started to get a couple years under your belt and you miss reading your Bible on one day or you mess up here, you make a mistake there, you blow it here, man, what happens? You feel like your world's apart from him. You distance yourself and you say, oh man, I'm broken, I, I messed up, I, I didn't do everything the right way, I just, I failed. And you feel so far apart from him, but Paul's reminding us and says, therefore remember that what brought you close was not being perfect. What brought you close was the blood of Jesus. And it's in that blood of Jesus that we have to continually remember about who, who the cornerstone of our faith is. It's not about us being perfect, but it's about the perfect one in us. And that's what Paul reminds us of. As we walk in our good works, remember that we have been brought close by his blood. Verse 14, he says this. Paul goes on to say this. For he himself is our peace. Jesus himself is our peace. Now, I want to kind of take my time with these next couple of verses here because Paul goes on to essentially well, I have it in my Bible. I have it circled and a little star next to it, and I wrote the gospel because this is essentially the gospel that Paul begins to break down, but it's so beautifully written. It says, for he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. This is what Paul is saying. This is, this is incredible, right? He's saying that, that, that Jesus is our peace. Why is Jesus our peace? Because he has made two separate things one. He has combined two things that have been at enmity with one another for, from eternity past, from, all, from the time Adam and Eve fell, there's been this war of, of, of perfection and failure, of sin and godliness. And even as God gives the law to Moses, the children of Israel, from the moment they received the law, broke the law. And all throughout that time, there's this constant battle between the righteous standard of God and the imperfection of man. We see it all throughout the Old Testament. God says, hey, don't do this. And the children of Israel say, wait, what did you say? While they're doing that thing, right? Like the, the brokenness of humanity is evident all throughout the Bible. And there's this constant battle between what God requires as perfection and our failures. And Paul says this, that Jesus is our peace because he has made both one. He has joined together and, and ended the war between God and man. How did he do that? Having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances. This is how Jesus did it. Because when he came onto this earth, he was the only one that could fulfill the law. 
He fulfilled the law. He even says, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. His life on this earth is the fulfillment of the law. He was the only one that can stand back and said, I have kept the law perfect. I have not sinned. I have not failed the law. I have matched everything that God has required. I have satisfied that side. And then what he does is he takes that perfect life and he gets on a cross and he hangs on the cross to pay the punishment for our inability to fulfill the law. And he pays the price that you and I were going to pay and he dies for us, taking our punishment, effectively ending this war between God and men. And he brings to peace this this enmity that has been going on. And Paul tells us this, and he says, the law of commandments contained in the ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. That he has created peace in our life by ending the war that we couldn't win. By being perfect when we couldn't be perfect. By fulfilling the law that there was not a chance you and I were going to fulfill. He satisfied the righteous requirements of God, and he, he was a substitution for the sinful men. And so now, both sides have been satisfied. Verse 16, he says this, in that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting death, putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near, for through him, We both have access by one spirit to the Father. That's why it's through Christ Jesus that you and I have access. Why? Because it's only Jesus that ended that war. It's only Jesus that fulfilled the requirement that we couldn't fulfill. It was only Jesus who died on the cross where we couldn't pay that price. It was only Jesus that reconciled us to the Father. And through him, now you and I have access to God. Now through Jesus, we have access by one spirit to the Father. And I love how Paul ends this, this chapter here in verse, in verse 19. Let's look at it. Paul ends this chapter um, by saying this. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. You're no longer afar off. Remember, we, we used to be a far ways from God. We used to be outsiders, foreigners, strangers. He says, listen, you're no longer strangers, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. What a powerful sentence. How many are happy that you're a member of the household of God, right? I am in the family of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets and Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone of this building. Let me tell you something. This building that is being created here in Paul's illustration, it is not just you as an individual Christian. It's not just us here at Church on the North Coast. But what Paul's talking about is the bride of Christ, the bride of Christ that is being built on the foundation of the prophets, of the apostles, and the cornerstone of Christ Jesus himself, in whom the whole building not just CNC, not just one church, but the entire bride of Christ being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. This is the best part. In my opinion, this is the best part of the whole whole chapter right here in verse 22. In whom you also are being built together for what? For a dwelling place 
of God in the Spirit. That we are being built up, built together as a dwelling place, as a place where the Spirit of God can rest, as a place that we can host and be with and fellowship the Spirit of the living God. Remember last week we talked about the great mystery, the great mystery that Paul preached, which is this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. This great mystery that is coming to fruition where the bride of Christ is being positioned to allow the Spirit of the living God to dwell among us. You know, I, I want to I check, I made a little outline for us tonight because I love how Paul just, Paul began to weave in our entire purpose from beginning to end in this one chapter. In verses one through three, we were dead. The beginning of the chapter, we were dead. Before you met Jesus, you were dead. You had no hope, you had no future, you had no destiny, you were far away from God. And in verses four through seven, we see that Christ made us alive. He made us alive. He brought us to life. In 8 through 10, we see that we walk in obedience to him as a response to how we've been, been made alive. We walk in these good works that he prepared for us. In verse 11 through 13, as we walk, we remember where we came from. Amen. Man, having a good memory, I believe, is one of, the, one of the foundations to being a good Christian. You have to have a good memory. You can't, you can't get so far removed from your past that you think that you're untouchable. You can't get so far removed from your past that you forget where God brought you from. Man, I got to remember where God took me, where he brought me out of. That difficult situation, that sinful lifestyle, that brokenness, he removed me from that. And we remember that we've been brought close by his blood. In verses 14 through 18, Jesus ended the war between God and men. And finally, Paul reveals our destiny, which is here in part, but will be in the fullness when we get to be with Jesus forever, that we are being built as a dwelling place for him. How many want to be a dwelling place for the Lord? Come on, is that your heart's cry tonight? That's my desire tonight, is that we would be a dwelling place for him. Come on, lift your hands with me all over this place. Why don't you stand to your feet with me as well? Come on, as we end this service tonight. I want to, I want to pray this prayer. And I want you to pray it in your own way, in your, just in your own words. But I want you to ask the Lord to continue to construct and build your life so that you can be a dwelling place for him. Jesus, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, tonight for ending the war between God and man. That in, your, in yourself, in your person, Jesus, you ended and satisfied the righteous requirements of the law. And you took our place as the sacrifice for men. You've given us an opportunity to be a dwelling place. So in 2023, in this year, would we be able to enjoy your blessing and your, your love, the gifts, the, the healing, the miracle? Let us enjoy all of the good things that you have for us, God. But God, don't let this year end without allowing us to be a dwelling place for you. Would your spirit fill our lives, fill our hearts, fill our moments when we're outside of this room, when we're in our homes, when we're in our cars at work, would, would we consistently and continually be a dwelling place for your spirit? 
for your presence, God. Would you fill us up? We love you and we bless you, Jesus. In your matchless name, I pray. Come on, everybody said, amen, amen. Would you put this idea up there? I want to close with this. I want us to remember as we go throughout this week that by grace, through faith, I have been brought close to God. It's easy. It's easy to start leaning on yourself, on your own understanding. It's easy to start putting some weight, some merit on the things that you've done right. But it's by grace, through faith, that you've been brought close to God. As we leave here tonight, I want to ask two questions as we close. If you're here and, and maybe you are distant from him, maybe you've never given your heart to him, or maybe you, you thought you did, but it wasn't really genuine. You know, I think that a lot of times we sell this cheap gospel that says, oh, raise your hand and pray with me. Okay, you're a Christian. But faith doesn't just mean re- repeating somebody. Faith is, faith is action behind your belief. Because the truth is, even the demons believe in Jesus. Like I, I heard some of these, I heard some individuals the other day who aren't Christians, don't profess to be, but they said, oh yeah, I believe that there's some sort of God. Like even atheists, or not atheists, they don't believe in God, but, but even, even unbelievers, some of them believe that there's a God. The belief in a God is not what we're talking about here. It's the faith. It's the action behind the belief that says, listen, if I believe in Jesus, I'm going to put my faith in him. Putting my faith in him. And if that's you tonight and you say, you know what, I want to put my faith, my trust, my hope in him, you can do that. And the beautiful thing is you don't have to do anything else because it's by grace through your faith that you're brought close to God. He wants to be near you tonight. And in a moment, I'm going to invite you to just come up. If my altar minister, some of the pastors and leaders just want to stand up here for a moment, but I'm going to ask you to come pray with one of these awesome individuals. And if you're here tonight as well and, and you're in need, if you're in need of a miracle, if you're in need of a touch from God, a word from God, maybe you came tonight just because you're hurting, you're broken, you need some encouragement. This is like the one rule I have for our church, okay? You ready for rule number one? It's you can't do life alone. It's the number one rule. You can mess up, you can have problems, you cannot be perfect, but you can't do it alone. You can't do it by yourself. It's not, it's not what God wanted. It's not what he wants for us. He wants us to do life together. So if you're here tonight and you say, you know what, I just need a friend. I need somebody to pray with me. We want to pray with you. We want to believe the Lord for you. Let me bless you before you go. Do me a favor. Place your hand on your heart. Jesus, I thank you for my family here in this room tonight. Speak a blessing over them, God. I thank you, Jesus, that that you would continue to remind us and continue to keep on our mind that we've been saved by grace through faith in you. Help us to be obedient and walk in the good things, the good works that you've already prepared for us, Jesus. Let us listen to your heart, listen to your voice, listen to your direction. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would make us a dwelling place. Pray a blessing over these individuals right now. I declare that in 2023, they are going to be closer to the Lord than they've ever been in their life that they'll feel your presence every day, that they'll hear your voice every day. Even when there's nothing being said, 
that your presence would be enough for us, Jesus. Bless your people as we go. In your name I pray. Everyone said, amen. Hey, if that's you tonight and you say, you know what, I want to pray. I want to give my heart to Jesus. Come on forward. And if you're here and you say, you know what, I just need some encouragement, we want to pray with you as well. Remember, live right, love everyone, and pray hard. We'll see you guys Sunday morning. Have a good one.